Hi, I'm your host, Kelly Joe, and this is the Nourished Motherhood Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing together the voices of motherhood and helping women connect with others and themselves through the power of sharing honest, vulnerable stories. Because every woman deserves to have a place where her voice is heard. We believe that supporting mothers is one of the healthiest things we can do for our society. There's a balance of beauty and grit to be found in every woman's story. And we're so honored you're here to listen, connect, and grow with us. Let's dive in. Was motherhood a complete surprise for you? It was for my new friend, Carly Brown. Carly is a holistic health coach, yogi, juice enthusiast, wife, and mother that beat thyroid cancer naturally. She recently launched Alchemy Juice, a local juice delivery company in Austin, Texas, and has a passion to teach others the same detox steps and healthy habits she used to beat cancer through her Instagram feed and the Daily Detox program. In today's Voices of Motherhood episode, we dive deep into Carly's journey into motherhood, what it was like to receive a cancer diagnosis, and how she found self-healing through holistic and natural pathways. This conversation was so inspiring for me, and I guarantee after listening to today's episode, you too will be inspired to be your best self, have courage to honor your own path, and ask for help when you need it. So let's dive in. All right, we're recording, and I am here with Carly, and I am just so excited for the conversation we're about to have. I have followed you on Instagram for the last couple of years, and I've just been so inspired by your journey. You share so vulnerably and authentically about your journey into motherhood, receiving a cancer diagnosis, and the ins and outs of your healing journey. And it's been really eye-opening for me. I feel like as a a nutritional therapist myself, like I know a lot about nutrition, but you've really opened my eyes to all these different holistic therapies. I didn't really even know much about. And I think just seeing your whole process has been really powerful. I've even joined your daily detox program, I think this time last year. And I think it was really fun. So I want to hear more about that because I know that's a really awesome resource that you have that others can get connected with. So thank you for being here. And I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about like where you're at, where you live and like what life looks like for you right now before we kind of go back in time? Yeah. So right now I live in Austin, Texas. I run a juice company. It's called Alchemy Juice. It's raw, organic, cold pressed juice. And we do delivery all around town. We just opened up a cafe within like kind of a a wellness space where we do superfood lattes and grab and go juices. And the lattes are all made with our own homemade nut milks. So that's a very, very fun project that really has a piece of my heart. Um, I am a mother to my two and a half year old son named Cruz. And I'm also 10 weeks pregnant. So I'm Woo-hoo. navigating, yeah, <laughs> navigating the first trimester. I was telling you right before I got on the podcast, I was napping. So I just, which, you know, is not, I don't tend to be like a nap person, but with the business and with healing and with motherhood, like I've needed to find a way to invite more rest, um, into my, into my schedule. So I'm really honoring that right now. Um, and like you mentioned, I run a detox program called the daily detox inspired by everything I learned in my own healing journey over Mm. the past two years, holistically healing thyroid cancer. So that's kind of a little snippet, you know, I'm from New York originally. Um, but Austin's been home for about 10, 10 years now. And we're actually building a house out in Dripping Springs, which is kind of, um, it's like the hill country outside of Austin. It's about 30 minutes outside of the city. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to kind of, um, not hearing siren. I mean, Cruz loves fire trucks. So he's excited because he gets to, we kind of live off the highway right now. So he always hears all the sirens going, but I am excited for a little bit more quiet. Uh, Yes. I can imagine. I love Austin. It's such a fun city, but there's a lot going on all the time. Yeah. And it's grown exponentially. I, like I mentioned, I'm from New York and I moved here to move to the country 10 years ago. And my husband is from Montana and he moved here from the middle of nowhere in Montana, <laughs> like a cattle ranch in the middle of nowhere to move to the city. So it's just, it's just funny because he got a lot more of the city and I'm not really in the country at all anymore. So, (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's so wild. I can imagine I'm up here in Alaska, which is pretty rural. So 
coming to places like Austin is like, oh, this is amazing. Like I, I can probably relate with your husband. I'm like, Ooh, city life. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It was big city life to him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So kind of what does, what's something right now, like that's inspiring you just about your day-to-day life and being a mom at this point? I mean, just watching my son grow cruises at this age right now where he's really talking a lot and he's really discovering the world around him and he has really strong opinions about things and things he likes and doesn't and what he wants to eat and where he wants to go. And I'm just kind of fascinated by um, watching him discover the world. It's, it's, you know, we can kind of get into this in a bit, but we didn't know that we wanted children. My husband and I, we kind of, um, we were world travelers. We worked digitally on our computer running, um, a digital marketing company kind of before we are doing what we did now. We traveled all over and lived in Costa Rica. And that was kind of our trajectory was to keep doing that. By the way, I'm sorry. Cruz is getting up from his nap right now. If you can hear him, but my mom's going to grab him. Okay. That is the life of moms. It's great. <laughs> Truly. And um, so we kind of thought that we were going to keep doing that. And I ended up getting pregnant, uh, like very, very surprised pregnancy. And so I was just like, okay, this baby wants to come. He wants to be part <laughs> of our family and kind of just explore the world alongside of us. So motherhood has all been like, kind of a big adjustment for me. And I kind of carried, I, it was like, not, I wouldn't say shame, but it was kind of like, I know so many people, they want to be mothers so bad. Mm -hmm. And for me now I love being a mother, but there was a really, really big adjustment period. You know, I think that now he's at this age where I can really play with him and interact with him. And it's just, it's just a fun, fun time. I really love, like everyone says terrible twos, but I, I love to, I love to. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can totally relate. I mean, I having it, I have a three and a half year old, so that two and three, it's just been, yes, there's moments that are really challenging, but it is so fun to see the world through their eyes and to get that glimpse into like simple joy, I feel like, and wonderment with the world at hand. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. So thinking back to like, it was such a surprise for you guys and, you know, that whole journey into parenthood, what was your pregnancy like? Did you enjoy being pregnant with Cruz or was it a hard adjustment since, you know, it was such a surprise? Um, I, I think that it was just kind of like the whole experience was like, whoa, wow. Okay. That's happening now. Like, you know, this time when I'm pregnant, I'm like, I'm settled into it. I kind of know what to expect. It's a, it's a lot more of a gentle process. Let's say it just felt like everything was shocking last time. (laughs) And I, I didn't, you know, I, I still think when I, whenever I meet women and they're like, I love being pregnant. I'm like, wow, good. Like good on you. Like, I don't know that I can hundred percent say I love being pregnant, Yeah. Um, but I love, I love the life that comes from it. I love, you know, bringing babies into this world and watching them grow. Like I love what we, I love the end product. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is a challenge for me. And especially with this round, I've been so dedicated to my own healing journey for the past couple of years, really focusing on detoxification and on raw food and all of these things that I've kind of had to steer away from, you know, in the last 10 weeks. Yeah. And that's been an adjustment too, but I can do it with a lot more grace and ease because like I said, I know what the end product is where even when I was pregnant with Cruz the first time I'm like, okay, then what happens when the baby gets here? Like everything was so, I had to, you know, I know friends who want to get pregnant in like three years and they're reading parenting books now. Yeah. Like that, that was like, just not me. I just felt like I was completely thrown into it. And you know, a couple months before I found out that I was pregnant with Cruz, my dad had passed away and we were supposed to be moving to South Korea to teach English. And then because I got pregnant, we couldn't. So it was like, not only was I pregnant, but there were just these very big life. It was a, it was an enormous transition in my life um, outside of the pregnancy. And so I wasn't settled. We'd moved from Austin to to New York. We ended up in Montana. Um, You know, it was just, it was just a, weird 
phase of life. And so I kind of felt like, you know, with this second pregnancy, I'm like, okay, I'm settled. Like we're building a house. We're in our community. We're with our friends. Like I'm, I'm running my business. It just feels like a very different energy. I'm like, okay, we're going to do it one more time. I'm going to do it a little differently this time. (laughs) And then that's going to be that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like life today looks so different than I did three years ago for you guys. Oh yeah. Yes. Incredibly. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. And were you into holistic and natural health like beforehand when you were pregnant with Cruz or was that something new when you got your cancer diagnosis that you started to explore? What was that like for you? How did you approach your pregnancy then? Um, yeah, so I've been into holistic health for many, many years. I've actually been a health coach for over a decade, um, taught yoga, very into mindfulness, the mind, body, spirit connection. And so I did, you know, I did bring that into my pregnancy and I, I read all the like, kind of, you know, how to, you know, holistic practices to invite into pregnancy. Mm -hmm. We did a home birth with him. Um, That was really an incredible experience. It was very smooth. I had my first contraction at 4.20 in the morning and he was born at 10.19. Whoa. Yeah. So it was a super smooth, I mean, very tough. It was, it was very tough, but it was smooth and he was born in the tub. Like I wanted to do I think that I'm going to probably end up doing another home birth. I, I thought about like, maybe I'll go to a birth center this time and just try it out a different way. And I, I toured a couple birth centers and they were like, and you have to do this and you can't do this. And then you went, I honestly, the idea of getting in the car once I'm in labor, now that I haven't done that, like sounds terrible. I was like, what if we're stuck in traffic? Like, and cause cruise came so quickly. I feel like this baby's going to come super quick. I'm like, you know, I'm going to end up having the baby in the car or something. So uh, I might, I think I'll just do it at home. Keep it easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we chose a birth center with our daughter and, you know, we were 45 minutes away and she was born oh, during wow. a, a blizzard. And I too, I was a little longer than you, but super quick uh, in terms of how fast she came. And I totally thought she was going to be born in our car. <laughs> how was that dra- How was that 45 minute drive? I mean, it was whiteout conditions. And so it was pretty gnarly. And uh, yeah, we both, our midwife was coming an hour in the opposite direction to the birth center. And we were an hour this way and we were meeting in the middle. So yeah, it was, uh, especially not knowing to what to expect your first time having a baby. It was pretty wild. Yeah. That's what happened to me too. Cause we were in Montana. It was February. It was the worst snowstorm they had in 20 years. And my midwife was an hour away. And so (laughs) she didn't get there until like 9am and I was eight centimeters dilated, like through transition (laughs) when they got there, they're like, okay, we're about to have a baby here. (laughs) Yeah. So what tips do you have? Cause we're doing a home birth this time. And I would love Mm -hmm. to hear what any tips you would have based on your first experience. Mm. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was just kind of setting the space. Like mm. we we were actually in an Airbnb. The reason is because we were, like I said, we were leaving to move to South Korea. So we had subletted our apartment. We had sold everything in Austin. We were like on our way out. And so once I found out I was pregnant, we were like, let's just leave anyway. We were still in our traveling mindset. We spent some time with my mom in New York. And then we were like, let's go to Montana where Ross is from. We've always wanted to go there for some time. So we just rented an Airbnb in the mountains for six months. And so I really grounded into that space. And Mm. I felt like for six months, I primed it to be prepared for birth. And that's kind of one of the things I was hesitant about going into a home birth in like my home, the home that I, you know, my everyday life live work was that it wouldn't have that same energy, like that same grounded essence. But I'm realizing that I can just kind of have a a corner or a little sweet space that maybe I sit in or I meditate in, or I put special items like that will remind me because my mantra is always smooth, safe, speedy home birth. Mm -hmm. And so it's like when I'm in that space that I honor that smooth, safe, speedy home birth. And So I would say setting the energy and like kind of visioning, envisioning how your labor is going to go. I used to work, walk on the treadmill every day and I'd be like smooth, safe, speedy home birth. And just like every day I would do these visualization exercises of seeing me holding baby. And there was just like, 
I just knew it was going to go well because I, I had aligned my energy and my vibration and my will kind of mm-hmm. for it too. So the, the laying the foundation, visualizing, setting the energetic space, um, and just seeing, seeing, playing out the birth of your dreams, like playing out that vision over and over and over again was very, very helpful for me. And then, and then once you're in labor, completely surrendering to the process, you know, then it's like, I did all, I did all the work to get there and I was ready. And then once I was in labor, it's like, okay, God take over and and guide this. Like now, now baby's sort of in charge. God is in charge. And there was that essence of surrender. So there was like, you know, that's like the balance to me of like that masculine feminine energetic dance of like me cultivating, getting really clear, visualizing, aligning. And then once I'm in labor, not not trying to manipulate the situation, surrendering to a higher power, please, you know, more than anything, baby gets here safe, mama's safe. And, and, you know, that, that, that kind of dance, I feel like really served me and on a very physical level, walking every day. I walked an hour every day of my pregnancy. And I really believe that that contributed to a a speedy birth. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of the time, like really is the prep work, right? You do the work to begin with. And then what you were saying is the surrender and really just trusting your body, right. To, to do what it was designed to do. That's really powerful. So you had a beautiful home birth. What were those early days of motherhood like for you? Well, I ended up with the worst case of mastitis that my midwife had ever seen. I had 105 fever on day three. (gasps) Yeah. Like my, and I kept trying to do things naturally and I was taking all the things and my husband, who's very, very supportive of me, of me always wanting to do things like alternatively or holistically first, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not like anti anything, but I always want to try things holistically first. He was like, please like take some medicine, please take some antibiotics. Like I'm, I'm scared. Like you're really, really sick. And so I ended up taking an antibiotic. Um, which I didn't want to do, but I did all the, you know, I did everything I could to support it. It was just kind of the yeah. nature of the beast. But that was that was quite difficult. But once once I was through that, then it was just kind of like the normal, you know, round the clock breastfeeding and up at night and changing diapers. And you're, you know, that's the hard part. And the sweet part is that you're just completely head over heels in love with this this little human who like changes your life in, in, in a second, the moment you see their face. And so, um, in that, like the very rawness and realness of motherhood, which is like how hard it is and how tired you are and like just completely empty and exhausted. And at the same time, like so full and in love and happy and blissful, you know, it's like, for me, motherhood is like the most extreme of all the emotions. Like even now when he's two and a half, it's like, he'll throw a tantrum, like so upset, freaking out. And then be like, mama and nuzzle me. I'm like, oh my God, what am I supposed to do with like, what do I do here? Yeah. Like you're the bestest mom, right? Like, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Oh oh my goodness. Yes. Mm -hmm. I feel like so much of motherhood is like this duality of holding both of those things of like, Mm -hmm. how do we hold those really tough moments, but also continue to be present and treasure the joy before us. And I think sometimes that can be a hard line to walk to like simultaneously hold those two things. Yeah. 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 I agree. Wow. Challenge of motherhood and still try and be our own person. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. So how far into, you know, motherhood were you when you got that diagnosis? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So we stayed in Montana um, until Cruz was three months old. And when he was three months old, we were like, all right, it's time to get back on the road. And we moved to Mexico. And um, we kind of like moved to Mexico, like we moved all of our stuff, like we were planning on living down there for a while. And we rented an apartment. And we were just going to keep doing what we were doing, like working remotely and just kind of like letting teaching crews Spanish and English so we could be bilingual. And so we were down there for four or five months. And I was not feeling well, but at the same time, 
Cruz was like such a young baby and still not sleeping through the night. And, you know, I felt like my hair was falling out. I was constantly tired, no matter what, no matter how clean I ate, you know, how much I worked out, I felt like I couldn't like the baby weight wasn't budging. And so I went in went to a doctor and I had a thyroid panel done while I was down in Mexico and everything came back normal. And I was like, like on one side, I was like, okay, that's a relief. And on the other side, I was like, well, what, what the heck is going on here? And so I found this woman who did like kind of full body therapeutic massage. She was like an intuitive and a body worker. And I was like, you know what? Let me just go have her work on my body. Like maybe I'm just really, really tired. Like maybe this is just motherhood Mm -hmm. and I don't, I didn't know, but I saw other women kind of bounce back a little bit quicker than I was. So she kind of had me like stand against a wall and she did an evaluation of my body. And after the massage, she was like, just so you know, you have a lump on your neck. And I was like, oh, interesting. Like I, you know, how much had I probably even looked in the mirror in that time? You know, you're just in the throes of new motherhood. And um, I was like, all right, well, it's probably just something hormonal. Like I'll go get an ultrasound or something to look at it. So I went to a hospital in Mexico they did an ultrasound and they wanted me to get a biopsy done, but they were, you know, I didn't have fluent enough Spanish to understand what they were saying. And their English was very broken. I kept trying to get someone else to like translate for me. And I was like, I'm not going to have a biopsy. I kind of knew the dangers of biopsies and I didn't want to stick a needle in my neck in a foreign country. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm not going to do anything right now. I'm just going to watch it. He seemed to be like concerned, but I was just, I don't know. I, I wasn't that worried. I was just like, I'm just going to watch it. So anyhow, I kept not feeling well. And we decided to leave Mexico just because it just wasn't really flowing. We were like, let's just move back to Austin where our friends are. We can raise crews around, you know, our community. And by the time we got back here, back to Austin, from the time that I'd seen the bump, it had doubled in size. And I was like brushing my teeth one night and I was like, this looks bigger. Like, I think I need to follow up with someone. And so I went here and got an ultrasound. They, in that ultrasound report, I could read. (laughs) And it was like, red flags everywhere. Like it could be these five types of cancer. Like it, it was just not good. Like the woman who read it to me was like, this isn't good. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's not good. Like, what do you like? Are you saying I could have cancer? And she was like, you could. And I'm like, no effing way. Like not the way I live my life. No. uh uh-uh. So, okay. So she told me from there, she was like, go see a thyroid specialist. That's kind of the next step here. So I went to go see a thyroid specialist, Ross and I, my my husband, Ross and I went and I'm sitting there and I'm telling her all of my symptoms. And she's like, you know, you might have (laughs) tuberculosis. And I was like, okay. She was like, it doesn't sound like thyroid cancer. You might have tuberculosis. And I was like, okay, well, that's a relief. At least it's not cancer. And um, so she she starts to do an ultrasound on me because she runs her own ultrasound as a thyroid practitioner. And before she even did a biopsy, she was like, oh no, this is thyroid cancer. And I was like, what the what the hell? Like, oh my God. I like there's no, there's there's no way. She was like, Well, we're gonna do a biopsy to confirm it, but I can I can tell that this is what it is. And there was just a lot of, you know, shock and fear and grief. And, you know, Cruz was less than a year old. And I just, more than anything, it was like, I almost felt disappointed. I lived my life in in a very mindful way. It was like, people like me don't get cancer. Like if you smoke or you eat fast food every day, like, I don't get cancer. It was kind of like cancer to me always felt like this, like far off thing. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you hear about it all around, but it's like, it wouldn't happen to me. And now obviously I've learned that that's not the truth. And, you know, one, I think it's one in three men and one in two women, you know, almost 50% of our population is dealing with cancer. It's 
everywhere, whether you, it doesn't matter. It's, and, and it's because of toxicity. It's because we live in a toxic world, which is why I've ended up focusing so much on detox. Anywho, so the biopsy came back and it was positive for papillary thyroid cancer. And, you know, they say that that's kind of one of the good cancers to have, which kind of annoyed me because who, like, is there any such thing as a good cancer? Right. But they say it's a good cancer because we can just cut it out and radiate it and put you on a pharmaceutical and you'll be good to go the rest of your life. I was like, what? So before, right away, my doctor called me and said, I can get you in next week for surgery. And I was like, hold up. The little that I do know about cancer is that I know that it tends to come back and it comes back with more of a vengeance. And when it comes back again, it's even more deadly. So I am a 33-year-old woman who eats organic, shops at the farmer's market, doesn't seem to have any deep trauma in her life, practices yoga. Like, how do I, how do you just want me to cut something out without understanding how this happened to me? Because if I don't understand how this happened to me, it's going to come back and it's going to come back it with more of a vengeance and it's going to kill me. It's like, I had like a very fierce, like mama bear energy mm. to me that was like, I have a baby. Like I need you to hold up and I need to get, I need to get to the root cause. Like this honestly didn't have to do with me. Like being like, I want to heal holistically. It had to do with me being like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to heal and heal at the foundation at the root of this. So that this story of cancer is like, there's an end to it in in my life. Like there's, this is a chapter that I will be able to close. Mm. And so I essentially put off surgery for two weeks and was like, let me just research what my options are. I'm not saying that I'm anti-surgery. I'm not going to say I'm not going to do it, but I need to do other research first. And it was in that time that I started learning about people like Chris Wark, who he had um, stage three colon cancer. He did have surgery, but he opted out of chemotherapy. And then they said, I think they gave him like, you know, three years to live. And it was like 25 years ago or something. And I started reading all these stories of people who healed in like both an integrative and holistic way who were given. And I wasn't told, I wasn't given, you know, like a lifespan or anything like that. I was, I was reading stories of people with more progressed cases of cancer. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, if it works for them, it would have to work for me too. And I, I can do this. Like I, I, I know, I, I know how to change my lifestyle. I've done this before. And so essentially overnight, I, I became a raw foodist. I started juicing 64 ounces of juice a day. Like it, I, I started reading voraciously and I actually went to Instagram. Like the moment I was diagnosed, I was like, Hey, I was just diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Like send me any and all resources because I had already been creating a community online and they were like-minded to me. They were like-minded with health and mindfulness. And I knew that that was like, at that time, it was like 10,000 people who maybe had knew more than I did about this. And so I just started compiling everything. I did it for my, my, on my own for those two weeks, like, you know, cooking the food and juicing and, you know, going around to hyperbaric oxygen chamber appointments and therapy appointments and IV appointments, just from what I was reading about. And I was like, you know what, this is quite stressful because I'm sitting in Austin traffic all day. I'm gone from like 8am to 8pm. I need this all in one space. And that's when I started kind of understanding that there were these things called holistic cancer clinics, where you go And all these things that I had been doing, just driving around town, were all in one place. And you had a doctor, an MD, looking over you. Because that was the thing. It was like, I was kind of my own, you know, obviously it was only a couple of weeks. It felt like a lifetime, but I was like, I need someone like drawing labs on me. I need someone looking at scans. Like I need a doctor monitoring me to make sure like what I'm doing is working and okay. And so that was really the biggest draw for me to spend the money to go to a holistic cancer clinic was to have someone accountable to be like, okay, this is working. This is working. This isn't let's tweak this. And so, yeah. So we picked up and we, my, we moved to Tampa, Florida for eight weeks and I attended a a clinic there. So, wow. I mean, I can keep going, but (laughs) yeah, no, I mean, and I do, I want to keep diving in, but like those first two weeks, I mean, I feel like cancer has such a, there's so much fear with that word too. Like, what was that like just emotionally as you were processing Ross, like you have a baby, like 
what were those like? Were you like having flashes of your mind of like, this could be it? Or were you just like, that wasn't even an option or what was that process? In the beginning, like in the doctor's office. Yeah. Like when she first told me I was crying a lot and I was very, very scared. Yeah. Just overwhelming fear. But I can say that it didn't really last that long before I was like, no, I'm going to do something about this. Like this, this isn't it. Two things happened. One, it was like, this isn't it. This isn't the way the story goes. Like I'm going to do something about this. Mm -hmm. Um, And two, as I started learning about thyroid cancer, I understood that it doesn't tend to be life-threatening. And so I felt like I had, you know, I understood that if what I, if what I'm going to go try and do doesn't work, I can always fall back on the surgery, radiation, and pharmaceutical drugs, you know, like that was there for me. So I felt like I had a little bit of a safety net to try it my way first. And it was the same thing we were talking about with birth. Like I wanted to do a home birth. I wanted things to be natural. And at any point, if Cruz's life or my life was in jeopardy, you better bet I was going to get my butt to a hospital. You know, I always like to try it in a way that's going to leave me. Like when I started thinking about healing from cancer, I was like, how can I heal this and leave myself better off than how I went into it? Like, that was my question. Like, how can I, how can this be an opportunity for me to become like a better, brighter, healthier version of myself? This happened to me. I can't, I can't change the fact that I was just got a cancer diagnosis. There's nothing I can do about that. What I can do something about is how the story goes. Mm. So I might fail. I might fail and I might not fail, but I'm willing to at least try. I'm willing to not fail. <laughs> and you know now we're we're 2 years into the journey and I'm healthier than I've ever been and I'm pregnant and I still have my thyroid and you know every I've so far I've won and I continue to win and if that ever changes then I'll deal with that when the time changes it's just but that's not what's happening right now so I think like I've approached it with a very realistic mindset but also like a a victor's mindset and a very empowered mindset and I my first job out of college was working with a personal development company. And I just learned a lot about how we can train our thoughts and how we are the creators of our reality based off of the language that we tell ourselves and based off of the narrative that's in our mind. And so I could have had a narrative where I'm like, this sucks and I'm going to die. And why am I even going to try anything? But like, that's not, that's not what I would teach my baby boy to do in those moments. I would tell him to rise up. What can we do? What can we work with? What tools do we have? Like, how can we harness this? We can't always control what happens to us, but we can control how we greet those scenarios of our life. And so if I'm going to teach him to do that, you better bet that I better be living that myself. And Mm -hmm. so when I look back on this chapter and I do tell Cruz stories of how this went, like I'm proud. I'm proud to say that I stood up for myself, you know, even when people thought I was crazy or wrong or stupid, I, I, I didn't care what they thought. I had to go based off of what felt right for me because it's my life. <laughs> no one's yeah. living in my body. So yeah, I mean, all, all of it. And I was able to I was able to transmute the energy rather quickly to say, okay, what do we need to do about this kind of? That's really powerful. Cause I feel like fear is one of the number one things that stops us from progressing in life. At least I know when I am living in those moments of complete overwhelm or fear, I'm totally stunted. Like it stunts any growth, any health, any healing. And so I think that's really powerful that you were able to take that and turn it and turn the narrative and the story as well. How- well and I want to say something yeah. about fear because, you know, since the diagnosis, I've, I've built this, this, this successful juice company and, and like we're building a home and I've, I'm doing things and I'm living in a life that I didn't before the diagnosis. And someone messaged me actually on Instagram the other day and was like, you seem to have attracted like a lot of prosperity since after that diagnosis, like, why do you think that is? And I was like, cause I'm not scared. I'm not scared to fail. Like if I launched alchemy, my juice company and it failed in a month, like, oh, well I tried, like, I'm not wrapped up in like, 
what do people think? And what, what about this? No, I don't care because I've had a glimpse of what it feels like to not be here and to not be here for your children and not to be here for life. So it's like, I just, I just want to like embrace the, the brilliance of being alive. Like it, 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 it did change me like that moment of the, when, the moment someone says you have cancer, that's a life changing moment. Even if I transmuted the energy that changed my life. And so it's easy for me to, to not be scared to fail. And I think that's at the base of like, of everything. Okay. So what, in what happens in five years, they're like, Oh, well, your holistic methods aren't working anymore. And you need your thyroid out. Okay. For five years, I did things the way I wanted to. Some people could say, wow, like you should have just done this in the beginning. I would never, ever say that every step of this journey has taught me so much. And what if alchemy fails in five years? Oh, well, why'd you do it anyway? Like, no, that's not, that's not the way that that's not the way this works. Like I've been taught so much life is a journey of learning. And I've been taught so much by all of these. And maybe I never need my thyroid out and alchemy sells for hundred million dollars. Who knows? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't, the point is, I don't know how the story ends, but all of it is a learning experience. So there's no, there's no more failing to me anymore. That's so powerful. Um, And I feel like everything, at least I've seen in my own life that we've walked through, it prepares us for what's coming ahead, right? Because we don't know what's ahead, but like these years, these things, these experiences, these tools you're picking up, right? Like it's all in preparation too, for who you're becoming and what you're going to face in the years to come. So I think that's, that's something my husband and I were just talking about, like, if we like, what would we do if like fear wasn't a thing in our life? You know, like if we weren't afraid of this, how would we respond? Okay. Let's go with that one because, Mm -hmm. and I think it's, it's something we have to constantly, I think there's so much fear in the airwaves right now. And just like in the atmosphere, right. And just what we're walking through as a country. And I, for us as a family, we've had to keep coming back. Okay. So if fear's not a thing, whatever, how would we live? You know, if we weren't afraid of other people's expectations of us or their thoughts, how would we live? And so I, uh, when we think like everyone's, we think about what other people think about us. Everyone's just worrying about what people think about them. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and it's like, honestly, no matter what I say, and this is a very powerful experience, like experience being on the internet and like sharing your opinions very powerfully, no matter what I say, people are angry no matter what I say, people love me. Like I could say, you know, let's talk about COVID. Like I'm some, let's say I said, I'm pro vaccines. I love vaccines. Half the people hate me. I'm not going to vaccinate. No, I, why would I do that? Half the people hate me. Like, what is it? You know, just say, just live your life because people are going to be mad no matter what. So (laughs) So, true. You know, yeah, that's, that's been, that's been a powerful experience there. So Oh, definitely. Well, how was it? Like, obviously these last few years, they've been a lot of work. Like you, it's been work, your healing journey, both physically, emotionally. How have you handled like also juggling that with being a mom as well? And like, have you had help from family taking care of crews too? Cause obviously time you go down to Mexico, which I want to kind of dive mm-hmm. into some more of your healing journey, but how's just kind of that process of juggling the two? Yeah. So I got really good at asking for help because I had to. And my mom, my mom lives, lives, lived in New York and she came down to help me in the beginning of my diagnosis and never left. So she still lives. with Wow. Me. <laughs> and she, her, Ross and I actually started alchemy together. So she's very involved in the business now. So yeah, I mean, my, having my mom here has been paramount to having that support. But if it wasn't my mom, it's like, you know, making sure that maybe Cruz went to daycare more days a week, or, you know, we've all, we've all like in the beginning, every day we sit down, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Who needs to be where, when, and I can do that now. There were days in the beginning of the healing journey where it was like Ross and mom navigating. And I was just, you know, after my dental surgeries and the beginning of the detoxes where I just had to, I mean, I went to the clinic and then slept till the next morning, but yeah, having family support and just a willingness to, to ask for help, I think is a very, very big thing. You know, whether that's family or friends, any any type of community, 
And if it wasn't her, it would have had to been, you know, someone else and a nanny or daycare or something like that, because I definitely couldn't have done it by myself. I had to really focus. I had to heal full time. You know, I had to dedicate myself to that. I had to pull back on work. I was still doing work. Like I still, in even in the beginning, in the very beginning days when I was at the first clinic, I was still doing digital marketing work, but they all knew what was going on. And so they had a lot of grace with me. And sometimes if I was like kind of out for a few days, Ross could jump in and help. And so I think being really transparent with people helped just saying like, people have a lot of compassion for you when you're going through something like that. And people want to help, you know, I think in the beginning, I tended not in the beginning, but before this, I tended to be someone where they like, Oh, can I help? Can I do anything? And I'd be like, no, 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 I got it. Now when anyone asks to help, I'm like, yeah, so can you come over at this time? Or (laughs) could you make some food for crews? And, and I love doing that for other people. Like anytime I see a GoFundMe or a new mama or something, like I'm sending food, I'm donating because I know how how good it is to receive. And I also know how good it feels to give. Mm. And when, when like, when someone really receives my offering, that's a gift to me as much as it is to them. So um, yeah, yeah. There's been support along the way, which has been much needed. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, learning to ask for help, at least for me, is I like to think I can do it all myself, which is such a lie. (laughs) And we're not meant to. You have to think about like communal living when we used to raise our children with the grandparents around. And I just, you know, the the one family in a home, I think it's just, it's created a lot of separation and it's created a lot of stress for mothers. And I also don't think that we're talking enough to each other about how hard it really is. Like, especially in the digital age of Instagram, you know, where we're just, we're, we have to remember Instagram is a highlight reel. Like people show what they want you to see. They don't show the baby throwing a tantrum or the sleepless nights and, you know, so like really having very real conversations with our mother friends and like, you know, whether that's a group or a ch- whatever it is, a chat. I had a text chat going with some friends who were also pregnant at the same time as me. And it was just a safe space to be like, wow, today's really hard or I don't feel well, or this is hurting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so important to have that support. Um, well, that's, I think it's so cool too, that that connection has been able to be fostered between your mom and Cruz too. Like how special yeah. for them, the bond that they're going to have, they have, and will continue to have because of that time together. Yeah. I think Chris thinks he has three parents. Like he doesn't know she's been here the whole time. Like he calls me mommy, daddy, and Cece, like that's grandma. He knows, but it's just like, that's his norm. There's three adults here. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So kind of continuing and picking up with your, like your healing journey, you guys moved to Tampa And yeah, so we moved to Tampa and I went to a clinic called Utopia Wellness, which I don't recommend. Um, I didn't like the doctor there. I felt like he was actually very rude. I read reviews of this before I went and I was like, I don't care that he's rude as long as he can heal me. But he was actually really rude and made me cry several times. Um, I was like, should I get a PET scan? He was like, I don't know if you want. And I was like, well, I'm kind of worried about the radiation. And like, he was just so short with me. And it, these are we're, we're scared for our lives. Do you know what I mean? Like, why would you go through all of the trouble and hassle to run a holistic cancer clinic, which isn't easy to do? There's lots of legality wrapped up in it. And then not be compassionate with your patients. So I did do my eight weeks there and I saw some positive results. You know, my numbers were all down in the normal range by the time that I left there, like my cancer markers. And, but a few months later, I got an ultrasound back in Austin that I wanted them to look at. And they essentially said, you're not here anymore. You're no longer our patient, but you can come back for a week at a tune of $7,000 for us to look at your ultrasound. And by this point, I had spent my life savings, taken out loans, done a GoFundMe. I was like, there's no more, there's no, (laughs) you know, what do you know? And so I realized that they weren't going to be my long-term support system. And with cancer, you do need a long-term support system. It doesn't just go away. I mean, the lifestyle, the changes that I've made nutritionally with my detox, with my lifestyle, I mean, these, they've switched, they've changed obviously a bit now that I'm pregnant, but like, this is going to be a forever practice. So I realized that they weren't going to be my forever home. And so I started looking for another option. 
And I did look locally, but I'd heard really, really good reviews of a place called Hope for Cancer down in Cancun. And I'd followed the story very closely of a woman who had um, end-stage lung cancer. And she was a young mom, a single mom. I actually have a podcast with her on my, my podcast is called Here for Healing. Her name is Kate. And I have a phenomenal podcast with her telling her story. And I'd followed her story on Instagram and she was given six months to live, six months to two years. And she was cancer free. And so I was like, I'm going where that lady went. (laughs) So I did the whole like fundraising again, and I got myself to hope for cancer. That was June, 2020. So I was diagnosed November, 2019. By June, 2020, I made it to hope for cancer. And it was just the most incredible place. I mean, they are so loving. It is a Christian organization. I mean, I guess if I identified with anything, it would be Christian, but I'm not really a religious person. But they pray in the morning and it's just so full of love and hope. Like that's Mm. just the word. The doctors are so kind and compassionate. And what I loved about them is that they support you for a year. So the money that you pay, that it includes a year-long home program. And every month a doctor calls me to check in on me. And I just that was very important to me when I was thinking about, you know, where I was going to spend my time and like who who was going to be my forever healing home. And um, so there they do a lot of the same things at Utopia, but more. So it was, you know, IV infusions, high dose vitamin C, B17, um, detox practices like colonics and enemas, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, ozone therapy, heat therapy, light therapy. They also did two different types of non-toxic cancer therapies that include injections to strengthen your macrophages, which is like your natural killer cells. Um, so they were just, I mean, incredibly thorough. So I did my first three week stay there in June, and then I've returned every three months for, I am actually going back in two weeks. So they are my family. Like I, I love those people. Like I'm going to Dr. Tony's birthday party. Like he's (laughs) the founder. I love them. So, and I've just seen some incredible stories. 90% of the patients who go there are stage four. It tends to be a lot of people who tried conventional and conventional said, there's nothing else we can do for you. And then they try going somewhere like that. So um, some people it's just too, it's too far progressed, but they're, they're, you know, they're comfortable and they're on the beaches of Cancun and they're kind of, you know, enjoying what may be like some of their last days, but for many, many people, it's, it's, there's a healing journey and, you know, they, they live these long, healthy, vibrant lives after doctors told them that there was nothing else they could do. And there's some stage one and two, you know, people who kind of are more holistic focused who tend to go there from the beginning, like more like what I did. And now when we check my, um, you know, I have a color Doppler ultrasound every three months. And essentially what that does is measures blood flow to the mass in my neck. So the, I started with, um, I think it was 12 nodules on my thyroid and I'm down to three and of the largest one, it's shrunk. But the most important fact is that there's 80% necrosis, which means cell death. And so 80% of the mass is not alive anymore, which means there's no cancerous activity. So, you know, one thing they really teach there is that our system, the conventional model attacks a tumor, but cancer is a systemic disease. So the tumor is just kind of like the manifestation of what's going on cellularly in the body. So they say we treat the person with cancer not the cancer in the person. So there, whether you have lung cancer, thyroid cancer, breast cancer, they're doing a lot of the same things. They're boosting your immune system. They're helping you detoxify. They're enabling the body to do what the body innately knows how to do, which is heal as a self-healing mechanism. There's little tweaks here and there based off of your lab work and your stool test and your hair analysis and all the incredible testing that they do. But for the most part, they're just making people healthier overall, which allows the body to heal itself. So at this, you know, they gave me the approval to get pregnant and um, they're, like I said, I'm going back in a couple of weeks. So they're going to check in on everything now that baby's growing and just make sure everything stays good. And 
And so that's just part of my journey now is I'll probably, you know, the first year I went down every three months, then I'll probably start going every six months. Then maybe, maybe I go once a year, the rest of my life, but um, I will always go down there and I will always have eyes on me so that there's never, so that this never happens, that this never happens again. And in the same breath, I can say that it's been the most transformational experience of my life and Mm. it's changed every aspect of me physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And I believe that I believe that God, I, I was put on this path because I was meant to share some of this, like the number of people that have chosen to go to hope for cancer. And even if you pair that with chemo, radiation and surgery, I know a lot of people who they do conventional and then they go to hope for cancer to kind of like rehabilitate and to detox after that, because we all know, regardless of your opinions on things that chemotherapy is toxic, you know, that's why it kills cancer cells because it kills all cells. And so I just feel really grateful that I've been able to share my voice and to um, heal myself and to also contribute to the healing of other people. It's been a really big blessing. You know, I say that I'm not grateful that I, I got cancer, but I'm grateful for who I've become because of it. And um, I'm also grateful to not deal with it anymore. You know, like any further types of cancer, like I've learned, you know, I've learned my lessons. I've learned about detoxing. Um, I put that all together in the daily detox. And, um, you know, I think that I think that eating well and working out is one part of like a, a radiant, healthy life. But we have to think about detoxing. We can eat as clean you know, we can eat the cleanest food out there. We can work out every day, but it doesn't change the fact that our our water and our air and our soil is toxic. So we do all the good things, but also simultaneously, you know, include these these detox practices into your everyday life. That's been, I mean, if I could sum up my if I could sum up my entire learning, that that's it. <laughs> that's it. Wow. How about like, I mean, you've talked a lot about your physical like journey to healing. How about the emotional component to it? Yeah. I mean, um, a lot of holistic, um, a lot of holistic or integrative cancer therapies really have a large focus on the emotional aspect of things because emotions can, can be trapped into the body. And so I learned about how like grief is connected to the lungs and how, um, you know, thyroid disorders are a lack of being able to express oneself. Um, And so all the different emotions that are connected with different glands and organs of the body and how trapped emotions can, can manifest into disease. So, I mean, I've done an extensive amount of different types of therapy, um, kind of like talk therapy and group therapy past life regression work, recall healing, which is looking at your parents' traumas and their grandparents' traumas, looking at what was going on when you were um, conceived. So just like a lot of digging, a lot of understanding um, my past. And I'm, I'm a lot more willing to look at things now. Like I really kind of process things for a bit longer now than maybe I meant I used to. When something comes up, I, even if I like feel okay about it, I kind of just like sit and process it or meditate on it or breathe into it and kind of let the emotions flow so that they don't end up getting stuck in my body. But yeah, I mean, the emotional healing was just as, just as big as the the physical healing, honestly. Mm-hmm. It really sounds like it has, like it was a full-time focus for you. Like you yeah. went all in to like go after this. Yeah. Oh, you just didn't dip your toes in. You're like going full. I definitely did not dip my toes in. I went (laughs) 2000%. Wow. What is something like, what's one of the biggest lessons that the last few years has taught you that you want to pass on to your children? Kind of like standing for yourself. I think that, you know, we have a tendency as a society to think that everyone knows better than us. Like, oh, that person has the answer or they know, or they're better. Or like, it's like everything's out there. And I just really want to teach my boys that 
all of the answers reside within inside of them. Like I believe like within, you know, I love the book, The Course in Miracles and some of the spiritual texts that like we come into this world as perfect divine beings. And then we are conditioned out of that because of modern life and because of advertising that says mm. you need this makeup or you need to wear these clothes or, you know, we're conditioned out of our understanding of our divinity. But really it's all about remembering that truth. And so I just really want to condition them to have a practice whether that's being in nature or that is praying or journaling or playing music, whatever it is that connects them to the God within inside of them, um, like to their higher self and to a higher, a higher power. I think that that will be like the biggest teaching is like, don't go looking for the answers outside of yourself. Get quiet. Like, what is your truth? Like, what is your true North? What's calling you? What feels right in this? And I think that, uh, you know, that will, that will, support them even as young children, you know, like in kindergarten, you know, like what toys do you want to play with? Okay. You don't have to go over there. Cause that's what Johnny's doing. Like, if you want to go play with the blocks, go play with the blocks, you know, it's just kind of like having a really strong inner compass, I think is, is what I'm getting at. Hmm, that's, that's really neat. How about what would you tell yourself? Like, I know like motherhood was a bit of a surprise for you and, you know, these first few years have been like quite the roller coaster. What advice would you give yourself if you could go back to when you just got the news you were pregnant? Mm. Specifically like around surrender. like surrender. <laughs> yeah, probably surrender. I, I was an event coordinator for many years. Like I love planning trips. I love lists and like, I love planning things. I'm, and I like planning life. Um, <laughs> you know, gosh, life has been so crazy the last few years. And so just like, just surrender and believe that everything is working out the way that it's supposed to, that there's a higher, there's a, there's a higher truth and meaning behind everything. Like have your visions, you know, like what, what I was talking about with your birth plan, like mm -hmm. have your visions, like see where you want to go and then also surrender that there's maybe something even better than what I could think of in my mind. Like cancer seems like the worst thing that could ever happen. And now that I'm two years through it, it's like, I can start to have some hindsight to understand like why this happened and how to, maybe I was preventing something worse that could have happened in the future. So just, just surrendering and understanding that it all, like, just, just let go, like, let go, let God put your hands up in the air and like, just you know, just <laughs> surrender, girl. <laughs> oh, yes. That's, oh, man. Surrender. Not easy to do, but I no. mean, it's sometimes it takes life hitting us in the face, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So you have taken essentially like, I mean, I know we could keep talking about the therapies you've had, your journey, but you've really taken so much of that, those experiences, and you share about it on Instagram. You've also created the daily detox. Can you tell us a little bit more about just why like detoxing is so important and how important it is before we ever get the cancer diagnosis and what people could expect to do your program? Cause I've done it and it's so it's insightful and it's mm -hmm. like, you literally go step-by-step step through several different things you've implemented in your own healing journey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, most simply it's like you can put the good stuff in all day, but you have to simultaneously take the toxic out. And I think society wise, we're very focused on putting the good stuff in um, because those are products that you can sell. So, but you have to have the dance of in and out and in and out. And that's why the most profound part of my healing journey, I think has been the juicing, like juicing, getting all of those micronutrients into my body and then simultaneously doing enemas every single day as a liver detail detoxifier um, or parasite cleanse have been very powerful for me. So the daily detox is an eight week program that goes through eight different areas of detoxification. So we talk about, you know, we start with proper hydration, 
different types of water filtration, minerals that you can add to your water, um, how much water to drink. And then we go to juicing, to coffee enemas, to nutrition, to movement, lymphatic cleansing, supplementation, um, breath work and oxygenation and castor oil packs. And I teach you, you know, everything from how and why, what tools to buy, how to do them. Um, and so it's an eight week program, but really it's a, it's a lifetime program. Like I, I can't time you guys up for a lifetime program. So I'm like, here's eight weeks. I'm going to take eight weeks to teach this to you. And then it's up to you to apply this for the rest of your life. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been an incredible program and really it was just like every day it was like, how do I do this? Why do I do this? What do I do now? And I was like, I need to create a program (laughs) where I just like lay at, teach every single tool, you know, because what I realized is that, you know, you go to these cancer clinics and like I said, they do the non-toxic cancer therapies and all of that. But a lot of their focus is on simple detox tools that we can do at home. And cancer happens when there is you know, when there's too much of a toxic burden in the body. So these are things that you can start doing now, you know, while you're healthy and you're feeling really good. So there never gets to be too much of a toxic burden. Um, it's essentially like the immune system shuts down and it can't, it can't work for you anymore, whether there's viruses and bacteria, parasites, you know, there's just too much going on in the body and, and the, the immune system can't work because we all have cancer cells in our body. Every single person has cancer cells in their body, but if your immune system System is working optimally, then those cancer cells never grow and proliferate. But if it's not, then that's when we start getting tumors and things. And so detox is a really powerful way to support the immune system every day, um, starting today. Mm, that's really powerful. And I know there's been a shift. So, I mean, that program is amazing. I'm going to make sure in the show notes, we like link up to your website and like Instagram and all of that so that the people who want to explore more about detoxing and join your program can. Um, Mm -hmm. But how have, what are a few things, because this has been so your life for the last few years, but now you're pregnant, it's kind of shifted a bit. Can you share just really quick what some of the shifts are right now and how you're supporting your body, but also maybe laying down some of those extra practices? Yeah. So I switched from predominantly raw foods to adding in like animal protein three times a week, more fat, um, like some quinoa, brown rice, kind of just like a well-rounded whole foods diet. I'm not, not following, I'm not following a diet plan. I'm just eating whole foods, like the wide spectrum of whole foods from nature. I'm still doing my hydration, my juicing. I'm not doing coffee enemas or rectal ozone right now. I'm not doing rebounding right now. So I'm focused more on like yoga, walking and weight training. I'm not doing saunas right now, but I am excited to get those back once baby's here. Sleeping, resting, walking, (laughs) you know, kind of just like everyday well wellness things, but like the major detox things, enemas, colonics, saunas. I am doing ozone ear insufflation. So that's like getting the ozone into the ears. I just don't want to be inserting air or really anything into the colon right now. Those are probably the big ones. I'm like, and all that time that I was doing those things, now I'm napping. So that's good. I feel like that's a pretty good exchange right there. (laughs) I I mean, I haven't napped this much since I was a baby. Oh, that's so, uh, do you miss any of your practices? Yeah. All of them. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I like woke up every day and had a routine and I really miss coffee enemas. I miss all of them. Like I loved doing it. That was like part of my sharing on Instagram is like, you feel so good when you feel that good. It's hard not to share about it, but I know they'll be there waiting for me once, once baby's earth side. So it's just, you know, it's, it's something I'm willing to do right now. And I knew, I knew that's how it was going to go. What is one like practice or one like product or even like food, something that you will not go without on a daily basis? Watermelon. Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) I love watermelon and juice. Yeah, yeah, like my alchemy juice. I like the sweet greens right now, which is our greens with apple and lemon. 
but I've also really been craving watermelon, like watermelon with sea salt. It's mm. like what I've had every morning, right? When I wake up, um, cause I don't eat right away. I get pretty nauseous. So that's kind of like I roll out of bed, drink water and eat watermelon. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Wow. Well, this has been such a delight and just so like, yeah, just inspirational, informative. Is there anything you want to share before we, we hop off that we haven't really talked about any last parting thoughts or wisdom? No, I think that, you know, before all of this happened, I tended to be more of like a watch and wait type of person, you know, kind of like, oh, I'll deal with that. Like when I need to deal with that, um, like that couldn't happen to me. And I think that there's a way to be mindful without there being like anxiety, without there being like, what's that? What's that? Is this going to kill me? What, you know, what's this, but just a way to be, um, like respectful of our bodies. Our bodies are like really super complex and, um, they really need care and love and attention. And if something pops up, that seems like it's odd, you know, just get it, just get things looked at. It's better that we know that it's not something than trying to, you know, cancer can be dealt with in the early stages. Like cancer is not a death sentence. When it starts to become a problem is when it's been in the body too long and it starts Mm -hmm. to metastasize. It's the metastasis that kills people. It's not the cancer. So if we can just, you know, if something seems odd, just go get it checked out, just go take care of it. You know, um, Mine was in my thyroid and it actually moved to one of the lymph nodes in my neck. And maybe that was because of how long I waited. And, you know, who who knows? That was my journey. And that was just the way things panned out for me. But um, if I did this again, I would have dealt with it right the second that I saw something. And now I'm that way. I'm, you know, before... I've had little like things on my body for years and I don't do anything about them. So like, I'm watching it, you know, and now if anything pops up, it's like, I'm not scared. I'm not, there's no anxious anxiety. It's just like, let me just have all the information I need to, to deal with this. And it hasn't been, you know, in any of the cases, it hasn't been anything, but then I get the peace of mind to know that like, I'm, I'm greeting things as they arise. Hmm. It's cool. Well, yeah. this, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I know there's so many who are going to want to like, who are listening, want to follow along with what you're doing. How can they get in touch with you or connect in with you? What's the best way? Um, my, my website is carlybrownwellness.com and that's where the link to the daily detox is. I don't have a fall date yet cause we're in the middle of one right now. Um, but I'll probably book a fall course maybe in October or sometime around then my Instagram is Carly loves kale and, um, the website for alchemy juice is alchemyorganicjuice.com. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much. And I just, I'm excited to continue to follow your journey and excited for your little one. It's a boy, right? You're having another boy. Yeah, oh. Two boys. <laughs> so exciting. I'm going to have to like keep watching for, we're having a boy too. So I'm going to have to oh, get some yeah. tips. I'm like, I don't know what to do with a boy, but we're is, so is this your first or you have a girl? Second. We have a girl. Okay. Yeah. Boys are really fun. <laughs> I love being a boy mom. Super fun. <sighs> I'm so excited and can't wait. So, well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll just be following along with you. So thanks. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Nourish Motherhood podcast. It is such an honor to journey with you each and every single week. If you love this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us an honest review. It helps us get this show in front of more amazing women like yourself. Thanks, friend, and we'll see you next week.